The Hulk premiered on CBS on November 4th, 1977. Let's put 42 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode that means the first show. In case you didn't know. Well, you never know what show they're gonna talk about. But they're only gonna talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Hello and welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantian and I am your host and I am joined as always by Grimes. That's right, man. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. They had to say it. They had to, even though it they made, had to. Even though it made no sense in the general plot. He's threatening <laughs> a member of the press. And that was basically the only time he could have dropped that line, right? Pretty much. They had to sneak it in, though. They got it in, and it's been the catchphrase ever since, right? Yeah, I think so. So what do you think was the most late 70s, 70-ish, early 80-ish type of quality that this programming had? Well, let's start with the intro, if you want. I mean, <laughs> Sure, that's a good place that, to start, I think. That basically sums up 70s and 80s and half the 90s sitcom intros right there. That's where they got their, their foundation. So, are, are we talking the intro of the actual show, like, before the credits, or the the intro where it's, like, four minutes straight of him just being Like involved? Hallmark commercial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A four-minute Hallmark commercial of David Banner. I don't know why he's not called Bruce Banner, because that's the guy's name. I'm not sure why it's David, but I guess it's David. When I found out that they were changing the name from Bruce Banner to David Banner... I asked the logical question, why are you doing that? His name is supposed to be Bruce. And some genius at the network said, oh, no, Stan, Bruce makes him sound homosexual. It it sounds gay. And um, apparently he keeps that name throughout the series because at the end of this he goes on the run and all that stuff. He keeps the name throughout the series and just changes it from um, Banner to other, like, B names. So, huh. so he doesn't do a very good job of like hi- I think that's how it goes. He doesn't do a very good job of hiding his identity. So the intro, are, so you're referring to the one where the Hulk like comes out of the woods towards the girl. Is that the one you're talking about? No, I'm talking about like pre-credits, the setup of him being in love, galloping through oh. meadows. Right, right. So oh, galloping through meadows, the filter where you you just you can't see anything. Like, I don't know. Right, it's very hazy and washed out, too bright. (laughs) Yeah, it's like this hazy, washed out, nothing's in focus. It's like, okay, I guess I can can handle that, but not for four minutes straight. It was pretty brutal, man. (laughs) Then I, it it, uh, had ups and downs from there, but mostly downs. There was a lot of, um, I I highlighted a a couple areas in that intro that made me laugh, like the weird massaging of the ring finger. The woman's like really massaging his ring finger where his wedding <laughs> ring, his wedding band is, um, and then it goes from a cat to a letter making the girl cry to <laughs> to cake batter being mixed. <laughs> yeah, what was up with that? I'm like, these bastards are now hosting a cooking show. I would have much like I get that they're trying to give us like an expansive look over too much man uh, of the relationship like over the life of the relationship to show that they had been together for a while. But I would have much rather just had like 
just the scene of the car crash. And maybe, like, them talking a little bit beforehand to establish their relationship. Maybe, like, just, like, two minutes before. Happy anniversary. I can't believe it's been five years or something, like, <laughs> yeah, simple. Like that. Some dumb exposition. I didn't need to see, like, her crying about some random letter and right. them, them making cake and doing all these, like, weird, unrelated things that culminate with the car crash. Give us two minutes before the car, before the car crashes, and then give us the crash. That's all you really need, but this this whole um, two part pilot was an exercise in excess, so I can see why they did that. Yeah, I guess. I mean, you know, I get why. It just wasn't very fun for me as an audience member. It was forty years later. <laughs> yeah, this show was like too much of everything rolled up into a ninety minute too much of everything pilot. Because this actually, when this premiered, this premiered as a TV movie. So this, ah. this premiered as a 90-minute TV movie. If you go and watch on Netflix, it's broken up into part one and part two of the pilot. Once I got done with part one, I was really excited, but then I realized we had another 40 minutes for part two. And so we are, we're kind of condensing this 90 minutes into 42 minutes of pilot study. Usually we do the exact amount, but 90 minutes is too much for this show. We don't want to add to the excess of the world. So we are doing 42 minutes, <laughs> right. and this TV movie actually ran like in theaters in the uk so it was run as, like a theater type of production and um this was just on cbs over here as a tv movie and then it, it was so successful and i think they did one more tv movie after this called like the return of the incredible hulk or something um subtitle like death in the family i think it was and both of those were successful so they made it into a show so this really wasn't supposed to be a pilot Maybe I guess maybe in a way they thought if it was successful they'd do a show, but I think that thinking came afterwards. Yeah, it doesn't seem like a typical pilot. Like you said, they did pack a lot in though, but it definitely works as a pilot, if albeit a very, very long one. And I watched on Hulu, so I didn't have the option of part one or part two. It just said pilot, so I clicked on it and I looked at the timer. I was like, is that right? Is that saying an hour and 30 minutes? <laughs> Son of a bitch. But I, another, my first note I wrote down was first impression. I'm not going to make it 90 minutes. Like, I'm going to have to lie and tell Chris I watched it and try to wing it. So, did you? Well, I sat through it. Okay, okay. So, what's the last scene? That, that This is your quiz. What's the very last scene? Oh, shit. You're putting me. Well, that lady dies. The yes. second lady he kills. Yeah, the la I think the last scene is him in the graveyard, like gently again. It's, it's, wait, again. let me tell you so I can prove it because okay. I remember. Okay. So David Banner goes to the cemetery to bury Doctor Elena Marks, mm -hmm. and he says, "I always loved you, even though like you never said it to me because she said it to him when he was the Hulk, so he doesn't remember it." Mm -hmm. And he and then he. To uh, continue on the weird massaging um, train, he massages the gravestone for far too long. Just kind of like yeah, touches it. Yeah, like, yeah, caressing it as if it was her. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a little creepy. So, 70s were weird. I have a plot synopsis to go over real quick. An accidental overdose of gamma radiation creates a mutation in David Banner, played by Bill Bixby, his DNA. And whenever he becomes angry, it causes him to metamorphose metamorphosize i believe is the word into a seven foot tall 330 pound green hulking creature of course this is taken from the marvel pages very famous marvel comic now played by mark ruffalo ruffalo but in the past played by 
Edward Norton, Eric Bana. Have you seen any of these Hulk movies? Were you into any of them? Well, I was hoping we would talk about them because a lot of great actors have taken on the role, and it seems like it took them three big-time dudes like Bana, Norton, and they didn't get it right until Ruffalo. And I know you've seen them all, so... What's up with that? Are the other ones that bad? Is it like Spider-Man where they just um, made new ones too soon? Well, I think I think the Bono one was, like, that was in the very early days of superhero movies, like, kind of like we talked about last time, like, Around the Tick. And I just think the, that movie didn't work. I don't think people really hated Eric Bana a lot. I think that the movie was just such an outright... Just a bad script and Yeah, stuff. it was just a creative disaster, which led to underperforming at the box office. So they kind of had to reboot it. And at that time, Marvel was just starting up their Avengers thing. So they mm. they didn't want to bring in any past baggage to like the Avengers experiment. So that meant recasting any, any people they were going to re-bring into the fold. So they recast as Edward Norton. Now what happened with the Norton thing is that, or from what I remember, he wanted to make a lot of changes to the script that the Incredible Hulk script, because they renamed it the Incredible Hulk. And I guess, like, mm-hmm. Norton just was very difficult to work with, from what I understand. Damn. And, which sounds like him. I believe this is not the first time he's been difficult to work with uh, creatively. I don't think he's, like, hit anybody or anything <laughs> or screamed yeah, at anybody. Yeah, but he but freaks out and shit, like, like Christian Bale, I think. He's he's hardcore. So I guess it didn't. the process didn't go super well with him. So then when the Avengers came around... Or and he, I believe it was also like a money thing. Like he wanted a lot of cash, and so when the Avengers came around, they recast it again. And I, I think they, I think Ruffalo's great at it. Yeah, he has the right disposition, and um. And what I was, gonna ask, I was going to ask this: What disposition do you think is right for this type of guy? Because, and I'll talk about this later on. A lot of this is about bottling up feelings. Like when they talk about psychiatry in this episode, for example, it's very much looked at as like a taboo thing like as it was back then like people go to the psychiatrist now and it's deemed much more normal but back then right. it was like oh god you must be really fucked up if you're going to the psychiatrist <laughs> like you must be a raging psychopath but i think so that re- being produced in this time period really played into the bottling up of emotions and you're the man so you shouldn't be going to a psychiatrist those types of things oh, what do you so what do you think it is about the disposition of that kind of guy that has to work for the Hulk to work. Well, because they, the anger is bottled up, it can only come out in short bursts when he hulks out. Because mm-hmm. if he always operated at that level of anger, you know, he would just stay the Hulk and destroy the world. <laughs> well, I think Nor- so. I think Norton is. He always seems super intense. Like just his general walking around face is like this guy's like ready to blow at all times. Yeah, and I get the sense that maybe for him, acting as a superhero might be difficult because it's not real. Like, this dude was in American History X, and now you want him to jump around a green screen and, like, play with the Avengers. I don't... <laughs> does he really fit that old? I don't know. It'd be, diff- it'd be like putting Brad Pitt in a superhero movie. Like, he already is a superhero. He's Brad Pitt. Right, right. So, I think Norton might fall close to that, too, as well. For me, anyway, and the nerds of my generation. I think the the actor has to, like, appear weak. You know, he has to, like, look like... Yeah, you have kind to of, morph kind of a, into the strength. He kind of has to look like a weakling. Like, he can't be too jacked. Like, Ruffalo just looks like a guy who, I don't know, 
he's not he doesn't have like a very large normal. he doesn't yeah he's a normal guy he has a normal build he's like a little um you can tell he's keeping some stuff in he's a little awkward i, th- I think the hulk has to the guy who plays him has to be a little awkward and he has to just kind of seem like a weak normal person like he can't norton's like a he looks like he's a strong guy so it's not like yeah, that. yeah. He looks like he could fight somebody. He, uh, Ruffalo, he looks like a movie star. Yeah. Ruffalo's not about to go like roll around on the floor and like get in a fist fight with anybody, which I think is why um, that character works, especially his portrayal of him. Um, so Bigsby and this guy's yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know anything really about Bigsby before this. I guess he died in '93 at like age 50, 59. So he died really young. And, Damn. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Of, what do you think about him in this one? Well, I think he has the underlying rage thing pretty figured out. I thought he did a good job. Like, I kept having to remind myself throughout this 90-minute marathon that it was 1977 when they filmed this. It, you can't compare it to shit from now in any sense of television. Like, you could tell what society thought of television at this time. It was just basically garbage like with no production value it movies were the big deal you know really until probably the the late 90s when the sopranos came out Mm -hmm. um and it became you know like that but you know i thought for the time i tried to put myself in those shoes and i would have been watching this is like the shit that like judd apatow would have been watching you know as a kid like Mm -hmm. freaks and geeks portrayed them watching this type of thing i imagine yeah, the, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. I, I will say that, like this, just the setup is very clumsy in this pilot, and how he gets to like the Hulk stage is very, very clumsy, very clumsy in its execution. Like, first off, you know the, the production that you're talking about, the some of the editing in this show is just fucking terrible. There's the they bring this first family in because what they're doing is they're they're researching people that have like these adrenaline surges. And can like lift up a car if they're if somebody's in danger, right? There's there's these stories that we even hear like nowadays with people right. like saving their child by like lifting up a car and having this like incredible adrenaline surge. So the scientists in the beginning, oh, what's what's the girl's name again? Uh, Doctor Marks, Elena Marks. Yeah, so Elena and David, they are they are researching this at at whatever laboratory they're working at, and they bring this mayor family in, the first family they bring in. Um, and just the editing in the conversation is just so stilted and like you can tell exactly where they had to like reset and re-say the lines. It's just horribly handled. And it's just it's the kind of shit that you could not do in present day television without being like laughed off the block basically. It's, yeah, it looks like a bad college project. Right. It looks like a bad college film. That's exactly right. Um, and so, so the way they really get to the Hulk thing is that so they're they're researching these people and they realize that gamma radiation was high on the days where these people had their Hulk outs, their individual Hulk outs. So David Banner, being the scientist he is, decides to conduct an experiment on himself, unsupervised by anybody. Like in the movies, he's surrounded by people. Like he's, I, I think in the movies, he's submitting himself because no other human test subjects can be gathered. So he does it himself. But this is just hmm. like him going into the lab at night with nobody else there. Yeah, after like, work, he's like, eh, why not? Saying like, you know what, I'm going to blast myself with some radiation. And he turns it to the one mark that is unmarked 
like the the highest on the on the scale and he blasts himself with like what was it two million units of radiation or whatever well he thought it was three hundred thousand units which whatever that means they give you no explanation still seems like a lot of radiation but then yeah it ends up being two million units so which is why you know he blacks out why he blacks out and eventually hulks out so he does it to himself just as kind of like a little mini experiment and it starts this whole changes his dna and all this stuff and of course this is all against the backdrop that he crashed his car or the car crashed and he couldn't lift the car up to save his wife and which is weird because the mayor family which i was just talking about one of those people they're researching the, basically a car crash happens in the exact same way for them and this this small lady lifts up the car and saves her son now again clumsy why did it have to be the exact same car crash in the exact same way <laughs> to get to build up his anger and rage to, so he has reserves to make it through as the hulk like his shift as the hulk I guess so. It's just so dumb, <laughs> and it's just like it doesn't you have to be. Gotta play that. along. It could be like a different kind of crash. It doesn't have to be the exact same way. It doesn't have to be a car like lighting on fire again. And maybe it had to be re-triggered in his brain so he would dream about it and turn into the Hulk when he was happened to be in the lab. True. So his... you got to plant the seed of the idea for the dream. True. Um, there's also they also bring in a very Italian stereotype in as part of their research. Yeah, yeah, that guy with the New York accent. He has this leather jacket that's really, really loud, and he claims that he was able to. I think I can't remember exactly what he did, but he like saved either saved himself from like a fire or did something else. He like busted through a fire oh, door. Oh, right, yeah, he broke through a door that would have needed like a battering ram to break through, and he said, "By the grace of God, I did it." So that, yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, before we get before we get into like the actual Hulk outs, I will say that I, I enjoyed that they weren't afraid to cast like age appropriate people, which I don't think would have happened nowadays. Like both of these people were in like their high thirties or early forties when they were cast, and it's just much more appropriate and it adds a sense of loss to their issues. Like these are people that have experienced real loss and like. So maybe Banner could have had like a ten-year marriage, and he could, it could have ended in that way, and it adds to the loss and it adds to the emotion that they're they're establishing and the anger. If 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 this was going on today, we would cast these people like in their twenties. Like everything has to be like a super young origin story, and that's kind of I, I like that about this. These people seem age appropriate for these roles. Yeah, all the actors were well cast. Everyone was looked real, and that is a nice thing. Uh, like the, from what I understand, you know, people got into comic books because they felt like they were represented. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was a form of media that represented their interest and how they viewed the world. So it didn't start out as like Ryan Reynolds and shit. It was like for ugly people, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not, you, but you know what I'm saying? Like not ugly, but I, I just like that these characters are built up so that they they can actually have experiences like realistically right, it's right. not the wedding wasn't one year and then she died this could be like a 10-year marriage and it's set up by the fact that he's in his 40s not in 25 playing 23 like just doing all that shit um so the first hulk out so we're, we're 20 mm-hmm. minutes into this podcast we should get to the first hulk out and kind of wrap up the first portion of this episode because like i said a netflix is broken up into two parts 
so it's not really that his wife's death triggers the first freak out. It's that <laughs> first off, the the tires and people all need to change their tires in this show because yeah, what is with the seventies and tire problems? We like... have two blown tires leading to his wife's death and the mayor family having to do that rescue. And we also have a flat tire leading to the first Hulk freakout. So it's raining. He gets pissed off about that. It <laughs> is his like car kind of like doesn't start the first time, but then it starts. Correct. So he's like kind of yep. a little pissed about that. God damn it! <laughs> like he's just like normal stuff. And then his tire goes flat, and he can't change his tire. Like that seems like a very non-monumental way to have like the first Hulk out to me. Yeah, that was a little bit of a stretch there. Like, okay, okay, like, he can't change his tire. I get it, but... Then he destroys his own vehicle. Like, he just, like, right. flips it over, throws it down a hill. He's like, fuck this car. Who I th- needs it? I thought, that the, I thought the lightning bolt was going to, like, strike him, and that was going to, like, trigger the first one, which is definitely not canon. <laughs> It's nice um, CGI'd in uh, lightning, by the way. That was just like they cut. It was like the news cutting to a different clip. And I love that he thinks the lightning played some part in it because he tries to recreate it later on in like the yeah, lab setting. Like, stuff. yeah, so yeah. it was probably like the moisture and the lightning in the sky made me turn into a giant green rage monster. Yep, that's definitely what it is, buddy. <laughs> definitely. Not the two million units of gamma ray. No, no. So he destroys his car. Like, he hulks out because he can't change his tire for some reason. <laughs> and then the Hulk goes and fucking just destroys his car, throws it off a cliff, and it explodes. <laughs> and then he, I guess he just kind of wanders around till morning when he encounters that woman, or encounters that little girl by the lake, right? Yeah, yeah, that was scary. Which is a definite callback to the 31 Frankenstein. I went, I looked, I went and looked back at the clip. Um, there's this Frankenstein little girl scene that's very famous. And Frankenstein comes out of the weeds much in the same way as the Hulk does. And the little girl in Frankenstein is by this pond. And, of course, the little girl in the Hulk is by this pond. And it's just kind of like a flip because the reaction in Frankenstein is that she gives him the flower. That's like the famous shot. And she treats him very much like a human. This is the this is obviously the evil side of that. The this monster. is like what Americans would react, you know. Right, right. This is how Americans react to Muslims. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was foreshadowing all minorities, anyone non-white, including green. Yeah. So the little girl sees him immediately. I think like freaks freaks out. Um, paddles Hops in a kayak and tries to bounce. <laughs> right. Yeah. Tries to bounce. And, uh, not even a kayak. Like not even something one person could move. It's a canoe. Big ass canoe. So this little girl's moving this big ass canoe. Falls over and the Hulk tries to tries to save her with like a branch. Can the Hulk not swim? Is that what we're establishing right away? Yes, he can't. I mean, he's too top heavy. How Ins- could he float? Instead of trying to rescue her by going out and swimming he goes the long route he rips a tree out of the ground and then like throws it in the water which could have easily crushed her skull and then tries to like have her grab onto it again instead of just running out into the water also the hulk's seven feet tall and i assume the water is not seven feet tall at that point he could have just walked out there and saved her could have but then the dad pulled out the shotgun and was pretty pissed (laughs) off Yeah, so a dad shows up, shoots him, and then we're we're kind of off from there. So I don't know. 
I, I, I just think everything is so clumsy in this show. I, I mean, I get why it was popular at the time, because we just didn't have a, lot, a ton of superhero stuff. But there's just so many other ways they could have handled this. Like, in, in the Edward Norton movie, really the only part of that movie I like is that they skip over the origin story basically altogether. And they do this really quick thing at the beginning. It's all over the credits, where they establish that he an experiment went wrong, he freaked out, he hurt the woman that he loved, and he was on the run. And then we're into the movie with him on the run. I'm not sure we need it like a 90-minute introduction to the Banner thing. But in its defense, like the Edward Norton movie had the TV show, it had the Banner movie, it had you know all these comic book knowledgeable people watching it. So it could afford to skip over the intro. Do you think they could have skipped over all this or do you, I mean was it just the audience needed the origin story at that time? I think that audience needed it. Yeah, because right. they had no the average person had no knowledge of any of this probably. They probably thought it was weird as hell. And this I is, mean, this I is have a, CB, of... a CBS audience too. So I mean four channels right. CBS audience. I yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe they needed this and we needed to watch it apparently (laughs) this was like you know this gives us a lot of context that is in the back of our minds because it's garbage by today's standards but it does give you the story like we grew up knowing this story you know and you know the hulk loves to destroy things he destroys the car completely unnecessary he throws the father in the lake at some point during this like (laughs) shooting fight and instead of just throwing him in the lake and running away he proceeds to destroying his tent and something else but (laughs) i just love that he picked his gun he he destroys he cracks the gun over his knee and he just takes the tent and like basically tears it apart which i thought was really funny like just adding insult to injury this guy's gonna get back to his tent and be like fuck come on Another notable thing about the Hulk is that he only grunts. He can't speak for some reason, even though his like inner self is a doctor. Yeah, he can only uh, grunt. Even I think in the in the Avengers movies, he speaks a couple times, or at least he eventually learns to speak in the comic books, I believe. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's something. Maybe he'll talk later on in the show, which is not a show. I'm gonna try to find that out. I'm not gonna watch any more of this. Uh, I wanted to ask you just as a sidebar to the Hulk's scenes too, like Lou Ferrigno. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think he feels about portraying a literal freak? Basically, he's playing himself in green paint. Like, isn't got... he deaf as well? So they're treating like a disabled person. Is he deaf? I don't think he is. I think he's something. He was. I... Um, he was in that one movie, I Love You, Man. Like playing. Basically, yes. Basically, they playing were himself. trying to sell his house. Yeah. But, like, in this show, he's pretty much just a oh, portrayed he, as a, he a lost, big oaf. He lost 75 to 80% of his hearing and has been using hearing aids since the age of five. So, yeah, you're right. Right. That's so, he, he, this was, like, an opportunity to cast, like, somebody from a underrepresented group. And this just shows you, like, in the 70s, they're like, well, we need a big ogre who can grunt. <laughs> like, Well, you know, I think it's, like, just the bodybuilders were cast in a lot of those roles like uh, like arnold yeah, being true, arnold, true. arnold being cast as just like the terminator a big like almost no speaking killing machine in that first movie was like part of that trend as casting bodybuilders as just the huge monster villains which i, I yeah think... it makes sense i guess but it i don't know it struck me as odd yeah. knowing the future of Ferrigno's acting. He was in I Love You, Man. He was on The King of Queens as the neighbor. Oh, was he? Um, 
Yeah, little hmm. arc there. Same with uh, Patton Oswalt was in that. Hmm. You know what? You know what I uh, I actually liked about that Hulk that first Hulk scene is the the transition back. They used like the water ripples to insert a cut in, and again, yeah, like, that was cool. if if they can if they can edit that with such precision where you need no CGI and you're able to change him back into David Banner just with a water ripple, the fact that they couldn't edit together a conversation properly really pisses <laughs> me off. <laughs> yeah. it's like Yeah, I could see from any of those standpoints you not enjoying this at all. It was just not like technically sound in terms of its construction and... Like if you can do this, like if you can do all this cool stuff without CGI, because the Hulk stuff is, I don't know, it's fairly well handled. Then you should be able to do a conversation. That's kind of what pissed me off the most. So after that, David finds um, Elena, right? Yeah, Elena, and this is like this is my favorite thing about the episode is that to rehydrate himself, he feels very dehydrated after his destruction <laughs> tour that he can't remember. <laughs> yeah, he grabs grabs a nice glass of orange juice, and later on, he has some apple juice. David Banner never drinks water, but he loves juice. Straight juice, like just gotta fuel up, need he, it. He loves. It's just they mention it like three or four times in the episode, and I'm like, what is with the fucking juice? Like, is that like a, <laughs> was that like a hot thing in the, in like the late seventies? Was everybody like? I think it was. I think it was a relatively new idea. They thought they were healthy. Um, what, what do you think? Are, a, what do you think are going to be like the food references and like present day shows that people like thirty years from now are like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, we drink juice, but we're not like making it a big thing nowadays. Coffee, maybe like like different coffee drinks. Yeah. Or like, I guess that's pretty standard though. Yeah, well, I mean, like, girl, she, in girls, she works at a coffee shop, so maybe, like, just the idea of, like, a coffee shop, like, a specialty shop like that. Maybe. Cal. I don't It's hard to say because we're, you know, who knows what's going to, like, the stuff from the 90s that is celebrated now wasn't really that great back then, but people like it now, so hmm. you never know. Well, anyways, David loves juice. Yeah. That's basically all he I'm loves, trying to say. <laughs> that's all he drinks. He loves it. So after this, um... She really believes him quite quickly that he is a danger to himself, and they decide to do some further tests in a lab. And immediately when they say how thick the glass is, like, to protect her from this creature if it comes back, you know that glass is going to break. That's, like, the ultimate oh, yeah. foreshadowing tool. This glass is 10 inches thick. Oh, that glass is definitely breaking. <laughs> yeah. In one punch, by the way. One, yeah, one punch. I don't know. Do you have any like random notes? Because we're kind of just going plot beat by plot beat. But I, I like, I kind of like when we just go random and things that made you laugh or things that made you cringe or anything like that. Well, I do have a theory as to what this is all really about, and it okay. was warning society about the dangers of alcoholism. So Ooh. see if this makes sense. Okay. There's some quotes from the show that I pulled out. Now, are like, you are you referencing the show in particular? Or are you just going back to the beginning, like the Hulk as a character? Or are you just going with the show? I'm going with this show, and the reason why it got made and put on a big network is so they, okay. because the Illuminati likes the idea of keeping us definitely drinking, but not too much. Okay. So, the bunch of quotes I pulled out, like getting angry doesn't help. Driven by a blind rage to escape. Um, don't make me angry. You don't like me when I'm angry. 
And basically, if you think about like alcohol as the Hulk out, you're blacked out, you're not responsible for your actions, you do crazy stuff you wouldn't normally do. And it's he's trying to escape from, you know, the pain of his lady friend dying um, in in a a car crash, in a car crash and it not being a sunny enough day for him to lift the car. So I think that, yeah, like outrage, frustration, extreme anger. These are all traits of the alcoholic typically. And so I think the Hulk is a metaphor for an alcoholic. Hmm. That's that's, uh, that's what I read into it. I really like the blackout connection. That's something that I can definitely latch onto. And um, hmm, that's very and interesting. You don't remember it. You like turn into a different person. You know, much more like less inhibited person, mm-hmm. likely to engage in violence. Like you're engaging with your your inner demons. Um, in a yeah, way, yeah, definitely. Everything but, comes out. Uh, you have a short trigger. You are destructive. Mm-hmm. Oh. I kind of like that. I'd have to, I'd have to kind of look back at the origin of the Hulk, but I wonder if that was kind of, uh, kind of in the back of their minds when they're just creating the character originally. And Doctor Elena Marks was able to reason with him to a certain extent, which sometimes you can with an alcoholic, but you know, she and, calmed him down. <laughs> okay, okay. So that comes one of my favorite scenes in the entire pilot is that yeah, she makes I the Hulk, she makes the Hulk sit down on the couch. On the couch, <laughs> and he's just like, "Okay, I'll sit on a leather couch." That's what you do to a drunk person. You're like, "All right, buddy, sit down, sit down. Let's take it down a notch." You're like, "You've probably done that to me." Oh, probably, yeah. So you you sit him <laughs> down, and then like two minutes later, they're passed out, and so they have been disarmed. And in this case. The Hulk turns back into David Danner, but is, I think my theory holds. I think it does too. I'd have to I'd have to look into that, but I don't know. I think that might have been in their minds when they were creating this character and transferring it to the screen. Um, yeah, just like the image of Lou Fregno sitting on that couch covered in green paint. I was like, that's pretty funny. <laughs> that's like yeah. If you just pause it at that moment, and look at it. It is pretty funny. That's like unintentional humor at its best. Um, so. He starts having a freak out in the lab. They they trigger it, or it's triggered by a bad dream. And what I really like about this sequence, which would be like the second big Hulk out of the two part pilot, is that <laughs> is that she she's like recording what's happening, and but she won't leave. Like there's this dangerous creature trying to break out, but she never leaves. She has like three minutes to take off and just kind of leave David there, but she stays. And I guess there's some honor behind that, but I, the whole time I was just thinking about how stupid that action would be. You, you right, have, you're you most likely to no idea. get killed. Yeah, you're most likely <laughs> going to get killed by this destructive creature, and you're just standing there. And she just keeps like saying, like, oh, he's broken through the second door. He's going to break through the first door. He's, he, oh my god, he's so close. He's coming. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you could, yeah, you got to get out of there. I mean... Science can wait at that point. Well, her whole like thing is that she doesn't believe the Hulk will kill because David Banner won't kill. That's like right. her, her. She philosophy. says that many times. And yeah. I don't know. I don't really like that concept as like the basis for a series. I like it takes a little bit of the danger out of the setup. I think in that I like it more that it's a very animal like take on the character, and I like the inherent danger of the Hulk kind of engulfing David and acting on its own accord, like not really. Not thinking about what David would do, 
or try, trying to push David like further into the recesses of, you know, um, the subconscious, you know, or the subconscious, you know, um, I think it just takes some of the danger out, like knowing the Hulk will never kill. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they're trying to establish some like morality or ethics in it so that people will buy into rooting for him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a little bit cheesy. Like you don't want to take away the threat that he can kill right away, right after it's introduced. I mean, if you're going to spend 50 minutes on this origin story, you might as well spend you know more than 10 on the the idea that he could kill somebody. Yeah, I I, th- I think that you're right on that one. Um, the reporter. What about killing bad guys? Like, yeah, I'd be curious if he does kill people later on in the series, or if he just harms them and like leaves them for the police or how they handle that or if there's like other creatures that he kills i'm curious as to how the show progresses in that regard i was looking up a couple more plot synopses and there was one that was like david gets a job at a discotheque (laughs) oh god so i think he like travels around like doing odd jobs on the run you know type of stuff and i bet you he he has a lot of like era appropriate jobs discotech huh yeah i'm I can't, I can't remember what the episode was called but it was definitely discotech can i just say that the reporter being the bad guy is always lame yeah like the snooping reporter who gets caught hiding in the closet when he dropped right. a bottle of acid or something i mean good lord that's literally his job is to find out the truth and if there's a huge green monster around and he thinks that this guy knows something about it i don't think he should be like painted also he looks like a really demented robert redford but i don't think he should be painted as like the evil in this episode that ends up killing her inadvertently but killing the love of david's life for a second time Yes, he's he said two he has two women die in this episode. So Alana dies and um David Banner is believed to be dead at the end in this explosion at the laboratory that the reporter, of course, being the evil person he is, set off. He's also a he very he's also a very bad reporter because he doesn't even suspect that Banner could be the creature. But that's <laughs> like a totally different thing right there. So my last question in terms of this show is do you think or do you believe that the show would be better if they kept Alana alive after this? Like, I get it was supposed to be a self-contained story, but could it have been better with those two at the center and her perhaps continuing to search for the cure or maybe, like, being this person that's kind of calling him or getting calls from him occasionally from a payphone or, like, something like that? I think it would be better, but only because I've been conditioned to follow television series that have a male female relationship dynamic driving them Mm -hmm. so i like the idea that he goes and does his own thing it is kind of a weirdo because that stuff doesn't get made anymore like you said before everybody now in everything is a 21 year old model that happens to have a connection to be an actor or actress and you know it's kind of this is like a real weird dude you know, the people in the show, like the reporter, like you said, he looks like a demented Robert Redford. He's not like, I mean, they were character actors, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I like that aspect of it. But um, it would have been nice because I liked her as a character. I mean, she added, I think, a lot to the show. Um, I just think, like, that relationship could have been explored further. Her name is Susan Sullivan, by the way, and she's still, she still acts today. She's in Castle which is a show that I didn't know was still running, but apparently is. 
Um, she's been on that show for like seven years. Wow. Um, yeah, she's she's done she's done some voice work, which is kind of a common theme with when we look back at these old shows. A lot of those actors end up doing voice work. Um, she has done like a lot of TV movies, a lot of TV ser- a lot of TV shows. She also was on um, Dharma and Greg for five years. So, oh, okay. She was like the mom, huh? Greg's mom. I think so. I'd, I'd have to double check. Her name was in that show. Her name was Kitty Montgomery. Yep, so. yep. Greg's mom. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, like I said. I I think the way they have it with her dying is unfortunate. There was something to explore there that might have given them a good season of television at least. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do some. Uh, let's but do, it was planned to be a movie. Let's let's do some title talk because um, the title sequence is interesting for a couple of reasons. One, I want to ask you if you enjoy title sequences where they reveal moments that haven't happened yet, like that cut moments away from the show to kind of use in that sequence. Is that something you're into? Personally, I'm I've never been into that. And my second question is, did it feel like like the silence over the credits? Was that, like, eerie, um, off? I don't know. It was kind of like a strange title sequence altogether. Um, To answer your first question, no, I am not into it. Um, I prefer a little song. I love intros like Louie where it's just you see a a chubby dude walking around eating pizza and being (laughs) himself and just walking to work. Like, you get a little bit of what the show is about, but I don't need to see clips like um, I think, I think the, the, other the, point, the OC had a bad habit of doing that as well. They would yes, use, there was a use, lot use of action. Clips, use clips from things that hadn't even happened yet in the show, so spoiling moments already. So I don't like that, and I think there was too much silence, and it made it feel like a, a corny like monster movie rather than a mm. superhero story. And that can be tricky with the Hulk because... You know, he's somewhat of a monster, but he's, you know what I mean? They he's lean, a good guy. They leaned heavier in that direction. And I also think it, it reminded me, I know Law and Order comes later, but like the text dun, dun. and like, yeah, the glow behind the letters of the Incredible Hulk, the white glow. It was very much, kind of reminded me of like Law and Order and how they present that stuff. So our last segment, and you know, before we do our last segment, I should mention that Kenneth Tom, Kenneth Johnson he was the producer, writer, and director of this, and he shepherded the show along with it. And um, I think I mentioned who played a lot, Elena. That was Sullivan, right? Yeah. And, of course, Bill Bigsby. So our last segment, as usual, is Love and Television. I assume both of these are going to be no for us. Hard no from my lady. <laughs> Hard no from mine as well. I don't think she'd be into the... Uh, the poor CGI. So, um, I think, oh, would we watch it again? No. I would not. No way. No. I it's, barely watched it this time. I did it only out of respect for the audience and you. They're, they're, I mean, every episode is 40 minutes, I'm pretty sure. So, if it was like a 20-minute show, I think it would be a little better. But 40 minutes for like 80 episodes, I don't even know what it does over those 80 episodes. But it can't be anything long-lasting. 80? Yeah, there's like 80 episodes of this. Oh, my God. Poor people that grew up then. I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, they're getting all the Marvel movies now, so hopefully they're 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 able to Yeah, they're 50 them. years old, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh, well, they have kids, maybe, so they have an excuse to go to the movies. Maybe. All right, well, let's wrap it up today. This has been Pilot Study, episode number 18, yeah. I think, already. And our second yes, in Superhero Month. 
we will be continuing Superhero Month in the next two weeks. And uh, I think a lot of you should recognize this upcoming clip in this preview for our next episode. Grimes, thank you, as always, for joining me on this great Sunday afternoon. Hey, my pleasure, man. It was a fun time, and we worked our way through a pretty damn weird pilot. That's true. We will talk to you guys later. Enjoy the Incredible Hulk if you want to follow along. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Next time on Pilot Study. So I know it's not much in the way of repayment, but it is um, my grandmother's recipe. And she made me promise only to serve it to my future husband. You know, it's like filled with virtue or something. I thought I detected a whiff of virtue in there. Not that I'm complaining, but you really should be thanking the nut in the mask. He's not a nut. I mean, he's a little weird. Oh, we're just glad you're okay. Here, here. Well, if it weren't for you two, I'd still be in that cell. Well, job's easy when your client's innocent. All you did was tell the truth. Yeah, but you listened. <laughs>